So there's a lot of burdens to, to getting these projects to the finish line. And, you know, one of the reasons why I love being in real estate is because you always get to have fun putting a deal together. And, you know, it's just like a master puzzle, you know, that you're trying to find the right pieces to make it work. Welcome to Deals and Developments, a real estate podcast from the Dykema Law Firm. I'm your host, Teresa Erin Giltner, member at Dykema and member of our firm's real estate practice group. For more episodes, you can find us at dykemapodcast.com, youtube.com slash dykemalaw, or by searching Deals and Developments wherever you get your podcasts. On today's episode, I'll be sitting down with Emily Blaylock, president and owner of Untamed Equity, a company that specializes in monetizing tax increment financing incentives, or TIFs, throughout the United States, based out of Davenport, Iowa. But first, let me tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a real estate attorney with a commercial law background, primarily focusing on commercial development deals and financing. From time to time, I'm representing lenders, borrowers, buyers, sellers, tenants, landlords, but usually all of my deals involve dirt or some other type of item that involves dirt. Being in Texas, we go from small deals to large deals, anything, as I said, from large pieces of land to bull semen. You never know. That's the great state of Texas. But now I'd like you to meet my friend, Emily. Emily, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, Teresa. Hi, I'm Emily Blaylock, and my background is primarily in accounting and then banking. So I've been in banking for over 15 years, um, generally in the commercial loan space. And uh, just recently, over about a year and a half ago, I started my own company to really specialize in the TIF monetization uh, field for loans and be in economic development. That's great. Let's get right into it and, and let our audience know a few basic TIF facts. What is tax increment financing? So tax increment financing is essentially a tool utilized to help fuel economic development. Um, what the math actually is, is it involves uh, a piece of land or an abandoned building, and that is currently being assessed at a base value. So taxes are being charged on that base value of land. And then when a developer comes in and builds the future project, that stabilized project, he's going to be, he or she'll be taxed on that future value of that project. And so the difference between that base value of what is being taxed at today versus the future value of that improved property equals an incremental value. And then the TIF itself is taking the incremental value times the tax rate or mill rate. And that is your annual tax increment financing rebate. Okay, that's great. Who are the types of clients that typically use a TIF? Uh, so developers are my primary client. Um, I am dealing with, um, you know, setting up and structuring a TIF loan for developers. So they are my borrowers. Um, but oftentimes I deal in discussions with municipalities to how to figure out how to utilize this tool, um, you know, in economic development as well. Great. That's primarily been my experience as well as using municipalities utilizing a tip, the TIF as an economic development tool. And of course, the same on the developer side. Where do TIFs operate? 
TIFs are, are anywhere within a TIF district. And so really where you're looking is TIF districts can be formed um, by the municipalities, um, but they are generally defining an area of slum and blight. Okay, that's been my experience as well. We've seen anything from old abandoned um, you know, sites that had a lot of environmental issues to sites that were formerly used by another part of perhaps the U.S. government where may maybe there's an abandoned old Air Force field or something like that, that they're taking the project and, and doing something positive and turning it into a TIF. So let's talk a little bit about the TIF process. When and how do does a developer initiate a TIF package? Yeah, so so that's kind of um, happening uh, when you know municipalities are you know trying to create this economic development catalyst project, and so they're seeking out development you know to satisfy the end user needs in that area, um, or like we talked about rehab and abandoned building. Um, and so really those developer, the developer and the municipality enter into a legal agreement, which is the development agreement. That's where you're defining your project. You know, what are the specs? When are, when is the construction timeline? Um, and what incentives can be defined back and rebated back to the developer? And so the developer and municipality are negotiating through that agreement. And that's, that's uh, the start of it. The municipality then also in the background is learning about what this TIF project will generate in that ta tax increment revenue, that future assessed value of that project that's being defined. And so consultants are putting together numbers of what that whole TIF district is going to generate. And therefore, both parties kind of understand what pieces of the puzzle they're going to keep and rebate uh, for that entire project. So monetizing TIF, though, can occur um, at any stage of a project. It doesn't have to be during construction period. Uh, we can always come in and monetize a stabilized project and developer can use that as cash out or for uh, refinancing purposes, uh, for operating cash, um, so on and so forth. So it's not, it doesn't always have to be that you monetize the TIF during the construction process. Okay, great. Because we have found that the sooner that the parties can get together on the development agreement and kind of define who's going to be doing what and how that money is going to flow and what the expectations are for both parties, that the tips seem to go a little bit better. So yeah, absolutely. The, the earlier, uh, the better, you know, in the process, just because there are a lot of nuances in development agreements, especially, and being on the lender perspective, uh, there are some, you know, I'll call it, you know, yellow or red flags that we often see in the development agreement that we may want to pinpoint out that makes makes the agreement not so lender friendly uh, to be able to monetize. So the earlier the process in that development agreement, um, the better. Okay, great. Well, that that is perfect because the, my next question for you is how do TIFs um, operate to make a loan work? So a TIF loan, how does that actually work? Yeah, so um, we'll kind of get into a little bit of, you know, uh, numbers here and financial discussion, but um, but really, you know, ultimately to get started, we need that development agreement that defines, you know, what is that rebate going to be from the municipality to the developer, and then the initial TIF projections. And those projections, you know, are oftentimes, as I noted earlier, provided by municipality consultants, but they can be provided by the developer. 
And so those two things kind of set, set the initial um, structure around um, looking at our numbers and modeling that. And really when we get into the structure, the easiest way to think about it is um, that, you know, like a lottery ticket, you know, the developer could be getting these rebates annually over time, over that, that life of that TIF. So it could be 15, 20, 23, 25 years, you know, whatever that life of that TIF is. Um, but what monetization does is provide the developer the lump sum upfront option. And so then they can use that lump sum amount, you know, for gap equity in the project to finish it. Um, so how we get to that lump sum amount really is looking at those TIF projections year over year over year and taking a net present value of those increment payments. And then we margin that, that net present value based on various risk factors. And that really has, it could be 70% upfront, 80% or 90%, depending on certain risk factors. And really the two main risk factors I'm talking about would be whether a project is under construction or whether it has an additional paragraph or separate pilot agreement, payment in lieu of taxes agreement attached, which defines what is the minimum tax guaranteed payment going to be uh, for this particular project. So if we have mention of that in that development agreement and establish that underwriting grounds for the TIF projections, then we can go all the way up to 90%. Um, if we don't have one of those, uh, then we kind of back down on the on the margining factor. But generally, that's how we get to the lump sum, um, you know, financially from that net present value calculation. Okay, and then how do you find your funding? Is that is that do you have a series of banks that you work with, or how do you how does that all come together? Yeah, so. So really our company is a little bit more specialized because we do structure the TIF loan. And as I said, we close the TIF loan as a, a lender. So all legal documents would be drafted under untamed equity as, as a lender. Um, and then on the backside, what we're doing is we're utilizing our partner bank uh, network and we're finding financial institutions to come to closing and fund those loan proceeds. Uh, and then we are servicing the TIF loan for those banking partners um, throughout the life of the TIF. So the developer is just dealing with, uh, with us as one point of contact during the life of the TIF loan, and we are handling all the servicing between the banking partners. Okay, so for, and for you guys, what is, for, for Untamed Equity and your partner banks, how do you guys get repaid and what is your collateral in case a deal unfortunately goes south? <laughs> yeah. Um, so our collateral is the pledge of the rebates and, and those rebates, you know, usually come in the form of just your typical pay as you go is, is a, you know, term we use in the TIF world um, to just mention that that is the percentage of rebate that the developer is going to get. So it is the pledge of those tax rebates. Um, and then, uh, then basically we also include a consent agreement for the municipality to sign to direct the payments uh, back to untamed equity as a lender while we have the loan active. And so our repayment is going to be that increment payment that's that's coming in um, each year. And I'll say kind of to, you know, back up from an 
an overall perspective of the TIF loan itself. Um, I do want to note that it is not additional debt service on a developer's project. So again, the repayment source is the property tax payment and which he's going to make anyway on the project. And so our, we make sure that there's no out-of-pocket payments then during the life of the loan. So our loan amount encompasses covering for both interest and principal during the life of the TIF. So if you just follow the money initially, we are going to set an interest reserve out of the loan amount, which is from loan closing all the way to the first increment payment, which isn't necessarily when the construction's done. It's when that first tax payment is actually paid, yep. uh, you know, which can be a year later, you know, according to assess, you know, assessor uh, procedures in the municipality. So we set that those proceeds aside to pay interest during that first chunk um, before we get the increment payment in. And then as we get the increment payment in, we look forward, apply the rest, uh, a piece to the next interest period that will take us from um, either a six month or 12 month, depending on the tax payment schedule, take us to that next tax payment time frame, and the rest will be applied to principal. So we don't necessarily operate on a straight line amortization repayment schedule. It's based on truly our projections of what that increment payment is gonna be. Okay, that makes sense. Okay, why don't you walk us through how a developer might use a TIF to their advantage? Yeah. Uh, so primarily what we see, you know, most often is coming in at construction, um, you know, to really fill that that gap equity need. You know, the basis of TIF really is, you know, back to what they call a but four clause. You know, the developer couldn't do this project unless they could get these incentives at the table. And so we're really filling that gap equity need that that um, to get the project done and have all the costs covered. Um, so usually it's gap equity. Um, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you know, sometimes we can come into a project when it's already stabilized or it's just now generating increment. And for those purposes, that can offer some cash out opportunities to use on your project for additional tenant improvements or operating cash or, you know, just because, you know, Look at the commercial real estate world today. We've got a lot of upcoming maturities and how are you going to refinance and pay those projects down appropriately? So sometimes TIF can come in as another use, you know, to have some cash um, to apply to the project. Well, that's great. I mean, it seems like a TIF is a great tool for a developer or a municipality to have in the proverbial tool belt. Do you have a couple, do you have some um, pay-as-you-go example projects that you can talk about? Yeah. So, you know, and um, so these are these are very recent projects that I can kind of talk through. Um, and I note that it's recent because, you know, really, um, when you're talking about that net present value, um, you know, that I uh, explained about how to structure TIF, it's also dealing with today's interest rates. So, you know, <laughs> these numbers fluctuate. Um, depending on the interest rate environment. So just put that caveat out there. But um, but yeah, to walk through a couple of pays ago, you know, um, I've dealt with, a, you know, a project, a rehab of a commercial project. Um, again, this was historic and um, turning it into commercial workspace. And so here we have a, a 22 
million dollar project. And I'll throw a couple numbers at you here, but $22 million project, um, total TIF rebates to be generated over the life uh, of this. And this was a, a 25 year TIF, um, whereas $6.1 million. Um, as we underwrote the development agreement, we added a separate pilot agreement. So therefore, we could monetize 90% of that net present value um, for the developer. And so they got a chunk of $2.6 million and some change uh, to put in the project up front. Um, and this one, the increment doesn't start till 2025. So as I mentioned before, as an example, we have interest running all the way through to 2025 right now to carry, to carry the loan till the first increment payment comes in. Um, I'll give you another one here, a little bit larger of a deal, but um, here we have, again, a historic rehab, a large project, you know, total, total costs of this, uh, turning the building back into basically apartments and, and a full operating parking garage, um, total costs of $104 million, so much larger project here. Um, TIF rebates over, uh, again, we are sitting at a 25-year uh, period here of $30.6 million, and um, we were able to have the pilot, a separate pilot agreement in place to, to um, show a schedule of what those tax payments were going to be, um, including the parking garage, because the parking garage was part of generating ta tax increment financing incentives as well. 100% share of the tax payment went to the developer in this case. And so uh, we were able to lend 90% on those rebates to give us a lendable amount of $12.5 million. Um, and so here we have an increment start not till 2027. So we're running interest um, all the way from this year, all the way to 2027, um, where the TIF payments will start. That's great. You know, I'm a big fan of TIFs, um, as you probably already know, but give us a few more examples of, of why someone who's a little bit more unfamiliar with a TIF would want to work with one. Yeah, you know, I'll say too, you know, just in this environment alone, like there's there's a lot of additional burdens getting put on these developments today. You know, we have the mystery of the, you know, where's the interest rate going to land? We have supply chain issues. We have, you know, construction costs going up. We have workforce issues, you know, um, so there's a lot of burdens to to getting these projects to the finish line. And, you know, one of the reasons why I love being in real estate is because you always get to have fun putting a deal together. And, you know, it's just like a master puzzle, you know, that you're trying to find the right pieces to make it work. And I guess what I find with TIFF is, you know, I do think, honestly, that it is an underutilized tool today. Um, and I think a lot of it has to do with educating um, both municipalities on different ways to monetize TIF and developers, you know, to know that this tool is available. Um, just a side note, you know, I, TIF comes to me in, in about four different forms. So it's not always a straight pay as you go. I've seen TIF grant payments come through that we've monetized. Of course, we have the pay as you go, which I walked through those examples. Um, there's also TIF notes that we monetize. 
um, slightly different structure uh, with accrued interest being paid from a municipality on the principal balance of the note. And then there are special revenue obligation bonds, which we monetize as well, which again, is just one more formal way of, you know, the municipality sharing the, the reimbursement cap of those costs, you know, over time. So all those different tools, I think, can be confusing. And every municipality does things differently. Yep. Um, so I think that it becomes, uh, you know, slightly overwhelming to, uh, to the public to be able to understand what this tool really does and can be used for. But really the benefits for the municipality are absolutely that they don't have to bond and give the funds up front to the, to the developer. We oftentimes are very familiar with the public funds approach to these projects, you know, where the municipality is going out and hiring a bond council and, you know, selling those in the secondary market. But that doesn't have to occur with private privatization of TIF, um, you know, where we take on the risk as the lender and the municipality doesn't have to do that. So that's one advantage. Absolutely. And especially municipalities today are losing their bonding capacity. You know, they've used it for all these other projects. And so, you know, this is where it's helpful that we can come into the picture and, and handle that for them and get the developer what they need. Of course, the developer really benefits because they don't have to put in as much of their own cash. So ultimately, just by math, you get a higher return on investment by doing that. Um, so the second piece is, of course, what I mentioned earlier, this doesn't put a burden on their additional debt service on the project. It's being covered by those property tax payments. So there's no out-of-pocket payments for this type of uh, product. Um, and lastly, I mean, as I stated, like, you know, we're, we're here to do economic development. I mean, you know, Teresa, like we're all trying, we all like real estate. That's why we're in this field. So, you know, it's all about trying to get everybody to the table to finish a project and drive more economic development for our communities. Agreed. And these economic development projects can really increase and add to the viability of a city and to its community and to their respective communities. So I think it's a great tool. Well, thank you, Emily. Um, that's it for us today. Um, I want to thank you again, our guest, Emily Blaylock with Untamed, Untamed Equity for taking the time to share your deep knowledge and valuable insights with us. Again, my name is Teresa Arian Giltner, and as always, you can find us at dykemapodcast.com, youtube.com slash dykemalaw, or by searching Deals and Developments wherever you get your podcasts. We look forward to seeing you the next time on Deals and Developments. Thank you.